Blog Talk Radio. Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Mission Unstoppable. Mission Unstoppable. The unstoppable ones. You did say unstoppable, right? You did say unstoppable, right? What is it they know that I don't? Coach Frankie Picasso takes you on the Mission Unstoppable. Can anyone stop these people? Good evening. This is the Unstoppable Coach Frankie Picasso, and you have joined me for Mission Unstoppable. Today is March the 11th, and the time is 10 p.m. in Toronto, 7 in Vancouver, and I am so delighted to be here with you this evening. Before I reintroduce my guest to you, let me first thank the good folks here at Blog Talk Radio for allowing me to broadcast over their network. Now, tonight, back by popular demand, I have brought back the most interesting guest from last week. If you remember that far back, this is a gentleman who is a speaker, broadcaster, and writer, in that order I hear. He has interviewed over 700 of the world's most famous self-help gurus, names like Vitaly, Dyer, Chopra, Kiyosaki. He was called by Oprah's folks and Chopra's folks in one afternoon, and he is currently about to begin a seven-year world-altering event that he calls From Fire to Light. Please welcome my guest, Alan Hunkin. Good evening, Alan. I just love the way you do that. I'll tell you. Can I just take you home with me? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. It's been a beautiful day here in Vancouver. and uh, I was afraid of that. <laughs> just great to get out and walk and and one of the ways that I'm developing from Fire to Light is there is a lot of music. From Fire to Light is not just a seminar that, you know, you show up to and you sit and listen to somebody talk. We are developing a, a full evening experience. There's going to be multiple large screen TVs. There's going to be beautiful, beautiful imagery on those TVs, high-definition images, uh, movie clips. There is going to be uh, music, popular music that we all know, but has been hand-picked to, uh, to move the, the message along as we uh, dig deep into these ideas that I talked about last week on the program. And and then woven into that is uh, my speaking about this and moving it along. And then also uh, local people participate in uh, this uh, evening experience through a kind of a pageant where um, VIPs and celebrities from the local community uh, read certain passages which introduce certain parts of that, that idea. So... As I walk, so as I go for my walk uh, mm-hmm. here in beautiful Vancouver, sunny, warm day, uh, I'm listening to this music that I'm using, and I'm uh, adding to that message and developing it in my mind, and then I come back and sit down and, and write out that part of the program. 
Wow, that's fabulous. Now, you you said that you um, have seven ideas that, that you would like us to embrace to live an elegant life. And I'm going to come back to that. And I wish, you know, I want to put you on the spot, and I don't want to put you on the spot. And I don't know if I can even put you on the spot. You can put me on the spot. Yeah. Um, spell my name right. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, and say it a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> you, last week you sent something out. You sent out a piece. You spoke the lyrics, and you put the music to the lyrics. It was phenomenal. I wrote to you, and I said, I have tears in my eyes. And you said that you had tears in your eyes, too. Do you still have that around? Can you pull that up somehow during this evening and, and do that again? Oh, wow. Let's see. Uh, could I play that for you people? I don't know whether I could or not. Well, well you, you play with that in your head to you know, well, look for that while we're talking. Now you're talking technical stuff. And yeah. Well, maybe, you know, you can just do it and just say it. Um, well, it goes great with the music, doesn't it? Does. It does, I mean, yeah. It was really good. Uh, it was really that's, good. That's do I have point. that? Maybe I have it somewhere. Anyway, uh, I love that. I just thought that that was phenomenal, and and I would love to be able to share that. With I'll tell you what we will do. i tell you what I will do. Immediately yep. upon this uh, being over mm-hmm. uh, in one hour, I will put it up on our website from firetolight.com. Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. It'll be right on the front page, and so everyone can click on it. It's called Unwritten. Yep. And uh, it is part of From Fire to Light, is this, uh, and that is what I'm talking about, about weaving the message into the ideas. Now, last week you asked me, mm-hmm. Frankie, you said, okay, what are these ideas? Oh, you know, give them to me, you know, because we want to know them. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Uh, these ideas are not secrets, and they are not, they're not principles, they're not laws, they are not, uh, they're not all that, uh, you know, profound. Are they steps? They are steps that have been specifically chosen, but just hearing them isn't going to do the job. Just no. Like, just like reading a book, you yeah. know, just... It, you know, if 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 we could just read a book and we would be instantly transformed mm-hmm. to the next level of consciousness or the next level of healing for ourselves, mm-hmm. if we could just read a book and we could forgive our mothers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then there'd only have been one book sold, right? I mean, that would be yeah. it. We'd just all do it and that would be it. Uh, it's the whole thing, and it's one of the things that actually troubles me about our society, is that we have moved information into being an addiction. And right. so we are consuming huge amounts of information, and yet never have we been more confused. And so uh, the uh, the human mind the untrained human mind is very easily addicted or moved into a trance like state and which is essentially what an addiction is an addiction is you do something and uh, like cigarettes you do something you smoke a cigarette first time it doesn't feel good then eventually it starts to feel good and then uh somebody tells you hey you can get cancer from smoking cigarettes but some, Let's smoke more. <laughs> but somewhere in there, you can convince yourself with, that you can never step out of that trance that, that keeps you one step in that trance at all times. So 
uh, the human mind, the untrained human mind, is very easily addicted to anything, whether it's watching TV. It can, mm-hmm. You can be addicted to Oprah. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Oprah, mm-hmm. but you can easily be addicted to Oprah. So, Well, don't you think that some people have addictive personalities, though, and other people don't? I really don't think I have an addictive personality. I think uh, we all have addicted personalities to something. Now, some of them are less socially acceptable than others. Okay, I've got perfume then. Yeah, perfume would yeah. be, you know, I mean, I could, you know, I could spend a day with you. I could probably find five or six real good ones, right? So, <laughs> And the same for me. I mean, I, right. I have my favorites. And, yeah, favorites, uh, but my, my you know, my, my ex-husband had an addictive personality. Yeah, if he and, did something once or twice, he was going to be addicted to it. Right, so no no question about it. So the point is that, that we are consuming tremendous amounts of information, and even in the self-help and, and uh, consciousness genres, we are also consuming large amounts of information, but we are not integrating and embodying that information. So we're not really getting the benefits of it. We're just skipping the stone across the water of our life and not really ever getting wet when it comes to the very parts of an idea that would then, when certain parts of an idea come together, they start to form. And then we do a very interesting thing. I first heard about this in a book called Strategy of the Dolphin, uh, way back. This is mm-hmm. really what got me started on some of this, uh, these ideas. And that was the human mind does what's called perturbate. And perturbation, the best way to describe it or to explain it is that the human mind has perturbated about seven or eight times in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. Womankind, of course, as well. Right. And uh, uh, in that, really, so here's what happens. Things get tough, and they get tougher, 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 but really what's building up is this kind of this energy. And things get confusing. Things get crazy. Uh, institutions don't work. People are acting like they're insane. Sound like any time familiar to you, uh, mm-hmm. Frankie? And then um, uh, it's like your computer where you uh, load it on the next version of Windows, but then you never reboot it. And so all of the dysfunction that was built into the last operating system, the last version of Windows, kind of started to take hold, and eventually your computer gets slower and slower and doesn't work, and eventually it just crashes. Right. But... When it reboots and comes back online, it doesn't reboot with the old version of Windows. It reboots with the new version of Windows. Well, that's called perturbation. And we are about, we are right at a point of perturbation in, in the world, the next level of consciousness. All of that sounds like, you know, booga booga stuff, but it really, it's just the next level of thinking. And when we perturbate, what will happen is we can see uh, we can see the solutions to the problems that we created at this level. So this was Strategy of the Dolphin by Dudley Lynch. Dudley Lynch is correct. Okay. Is correct. Way back when. So so there are certain uh, there are 
certain stages and steps within these perturbations, and we must go through them. And so I deliberately picked these ideas to help us in these areas to move through steps of consciousness, of thinking. Okay, but before you go there, let's just talk about one thing that you said. We, We have this perturbation, and we have this need for more you know, more knowledge. And, and and I think that the reason we don't internalize it is because we don't, well, we never give it time because we're an instant gratification society right, right. now. And Which so we is need one of that. the things that's in the way of us really moving forward. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, people want to lose weight. They want to do this. They want to do that. And, and if you can't do it by tomorrow, then, you know, that's why magazines sell every week. I mean, how many diets can you go through? But they have the newest and the best and the greatest, and you're going to lose, you know, five pounds today. But you're not. Well, maybe you are, but it's like the guy said, dear God, give me patience, but give it to me right now. Right, exactly. I mean, that's where we're at. And it just, uh, and that is sabotaging. It's one of the key things. That franticness is sabotaging uh, the things that we have to learn in order to move to the next levels uh, in our lives, so there is, so there is uh, this massive perturbation that's happening. I think, and uh, the metaphor for that is, is the popularity of this Eckhart Tolle webinar with Oprah, right. which has now been downloaded by over two million people. So wow, we're only in week two. How fantastic is that? Uh, that's a kind of a, a a mass perturbation, but then each of us has to go through. Uh, levels of perturbation as well and uh, we can go through many of them it's not just uh, seven massive ones like um, like uh, there was in uh, in overall consciousness but you know we ha- i had a conversation on on chaos today um you know on another show and and what came out of that though was the need for people to understand a that there is this chaos happening b that they are part of the problem and see that they need to be part of the solution. And so they need to take responsibility that that they are, you know, causing some of this this stuff that, you know, that's going on right now, right. some of this chaos. And, and then say, okay, I'm going to, if I change myself, even if I just change me, then that's going to be a change in the world that, that is going to, you know, impact on the rest of the world. But they need to take that responsibility. Now, what you're saying is happening with Oprah with the 2 million people downloading. I think that's absolutely amazing. And, and, and that energy has to have some sort of an impact on the world. It has to. Well, yes. But here's the challenge in what you just said. Uh, most people have never, or all of us, all of us were made wrong. Mm-hmm. whether it was being made wrong by our parents, made wrong by our teachers, made wrong by our peers and our environment, and made wrong by the world for doing this and not doing such and such. And yet, so we all have this um, uh, guilt uh, within us, and we also have never, ever been taught how to be responsible without feeling guilty. So no amount of telling you, Frankie, that you have done something is going to ever change that. 
It's not going to change you, and it's not going to change the situation. It's only by you being able to, when you take responsibility for something, you also have to see where that is part of of awareness and part of, of innocence rather than being part of being guilty. And until that, that polarity is turned around, then uh, then we have a cold war. Really, you know, those you guys do it your way, and we don't like that, and we do it our way, and we like it, and you're wrong, we're right, and this. And it, when did you know? It never ends. It never well, ends until both sides decide to include each other within the solution. Right. So, so the first idea that I talked about last week was. Number one was, it's kind of where it all begins, is that uh, I am aware that I am aware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And namely that um, that we fall into these trances and we have so many of them going on that we don't even really know and are aware of our own essence. This is what Eckhart Tolle is really talking about. It's one of, really one of his, he only has a few key messages and this is one. Mm-hmm. The essence of you is innocent. The essence of you is gorgeous. The essence of you is is uh, uh, eternal. Uh, and uh, you have to remove all of the things that are in your life mm-hmm. that that block that being true for you and block the awareness of that. So it all starts with, number one, I am aware that I am aware. And until you can do that, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to move anywhere on in your life, let alone to the next level. Right. Uh, so we start there, but we do it by that evening is all about um, kind of like how we walked into the wrong cave and then couldn't find our way out again. And that's that's the beginning of the evening. It's how we get how we got here. Right. How did we get lost in this? And it, once you kind of know that you're lost, then you can you know that's the first stage. You're going okay. Well, I can if I'm lost, I can get myself out of here. I didn't even know I was lost. <laughs> that's a man's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh, well, that's good, because I'm a man, so that's a good sign. Yeah, a woman would ask for directions. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, we would never. Um, you know, so. But you're right, you're right. But I think that there's still an awakening happening anyway. There, People are waking up. And that's what my book was about, that I think that people are waking up in, in, in their mid-lifetime, 35 to 50, somewhere in there. They They are, again going through a metamorphosis, wanting to or not, maybe screaming and, and fighting it. But I think they are waking up. And again, they're, they're looking outside to the heavens and they're saying, why am I here? I know I have a purpose. There must be some reason for me being here because it just can't be working nine to five. That's not good enough. Really, I need something more. Usually, there are two things I'll say about that. The first is that, yes, just the act of living in this world is eventually you're going to go, well, there's got to be something better than this. Yeah. And the second thing is that whatever level of awareness you have now, mm-hmm. there's, you know, 500 more available. Yeah. 
So well, you turn it up. Is what everybody you're can come into that evening and get from it, you know, their level of I am aware that I am aware. Right. Or maybe I don't know what I didn't know. You, now, it's uh, now you're planning on me coming back for five more shows, right? Because if we keep going at this rate, we're not going to get through the seven. <laughs> we got an hour. We're good. We're okay. Good. Okay. We're good. Okay. I, I mean, but you have to discuss it a little bit. People, I, you know. Absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, idea number two, and this is the one that we talked about a little bit last week, and that was everything is true. Mm-hmm. Everything is true. That's a really hard concept for people. Uh, yeah. Yep. I... It absolutely blew me away when I realized something about this. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book uh, four years ago uh, called Finding the Elegant Solution in Any Situation. And in that book, I started to talk about four corners of a, you know, a horizontal line and a vertical line, and there'd be four four points. And at the there would be inclusionism and exclusionism would be the up and down. So the more I include, the more life I have. And here, and that uh, that we that the the smaller life gets for us, the more we must be excluding things. Mm-hmm. So then I said, well, okay, this is a simple enough idea. How come? People don't know this. They really don't know how to include things. And here's what I discovered. Nobody teaches it. And I mean nobody. Uh, First of all, our parents don't teach us inclusionism. They're Mm -hmm. teaching us who not to talk to, who who not to go and be with, what not to do more than they're telling us what to do. Uh, Because their job is to keep us safe. Right. Not, their job is not to teach us how to include things. But don't kids naturally do that when yeah, they're little? Yeah, they do. Right. We include eating rocks. We include... <laughs> include everything. We but they also that, include... Right? You know, but the other thing is that they do... Little children, until they're told differently, think that they are the most beautiful things on earth. Right. They love themselves. And that everybody else is, too. So mm-hmm. uh, then our teachers never t- uh, teach inclusionism because... They only teach what's in the curriculum, and the curriculum is controlled by somebody. As I said before, I interviewed the fellow that wrote the book called Who Owns History? And I said, well, who does own history? And he said, the guys that won own yeah. history. Yeah. The guys that won the battles get to write the school books. Right. Right? So uh, that's the version that you get. And. Your employer is not interested in you teaching you inclusionism. They're only interested in you getting the job done as quickly as possible. And universities don't teach inclusionism. They teach uh, a multitude of ideas. Mm-hmm. But here's how you know that you're including something, especially when you um, when it's something you disagree with. Most of the time when we hear somebody, and I'll just think of anybody like, uh, well, okay, that favorite aunt and uncle that comes over for Christmas that you just absolutely dislike, mm-hmm. and uh, that you just can't believe that they think the way they do, and they talk the way they do, and 
and you just can barely stand to be in the room with them. And here's how you know that if you're including. If you're not including, it's an argument, and if you are including, there's emotional heat, a deep emotional heat, almost like a burning. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor Frankl said, everything that provides a light also burns. And so um, uh, it is this emotional heat that we are not trained or schooled in in any meaningful way. How to be in the hot hells of something mm-hmm. and still keep yourself, still have your feet on the ground, still be able to uh, maintain your life while you're including something that fundamentally goes against everything that you believe. We are we are not schooled in this, and 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 our world, the 21st century. If we are to survive ourselves, we as a people must learn this skill, and we must learn it quickly. You know what I do? I ask myself, what would love do now? There is a great way. There is a, that now that comes from an awareness. So you see, step one, right? Right. Is that, and rather than getting embroiled in the argument, which I'm sure it's, yeah. I mean, do I argue? Of course I do. Mm-hmm. Do I debate people? Do I have ideas and beliefs and things that I want to cause in the world? Absolutely. But then I have some key questions like that one, which says, "What would love do now?" You know, what would love what, do now? What good must this be coming from what what is the third idea here what is the win that's trying to happen mm-hmm. uh, all of these ideas are ways to keep us in that emotional heat and, and and but here's the cool thing when we learn how to feel it we're also growing we're it's going to be hard though you know growing. i mean i had it turned against me I had it turned against me. Um, somebody, you know, did something um, very, very bad, and then they said, "Oh, I have to tell you, you know, I did this, but I know that you, you'll forgive me because that's what love would do." Okay. <laughs> like, right. Okay, just twist my yeah neck. Yeah. Well, uh, in- inclusionism and exclusionism certainly has integrity as one of its elements Mm -hmm. you can use this uh at that you know at certain levels you can use this uh, without integrity uh and uh so it is to and so but and so but and so but and so but that is where we also have to then go to the next level of Mm -hmm. inclusionism right Mm-hmm. Even when we see this in front of us, that's the next level of inclusionism. Let me give out our phone number in case anyone wants to join us. It's 646-595-3741. I'm talking to Alan Hunkin from Fire to Light. We are going through the seven ideas that he will be taking to the world during the next seven years. And he's going to be doing some consciousness raising and some deep learning i can't wait for it to happen it's going to be the cirque du soleil of 
world consciousness. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. I, uh, and so to embody and integrate uh, inclusionism and all of the flavors and nuances around it, uh, we it, it, it takes a year. Right. It takes a year. It's not something you do just in a moment. Yes, you can gain a bit of awareness, a bit of understanding, but you know it's about uh, uh, challenging yourself, about digging in the uh, corners and opening up the closets of your mind around this particular idea until you fully embodied it. Can you really, uh, you know, move to the next level? I think the, the the easiest way to explain this to people too, everything is true, is, is when you look at the the religions of the world. And everybody has their own way to get to God. Everybody. Right. If if they believe in God, even. And and, and so everything is true. Everybody is, whatever they believe is true. Right. Uh, if you believe, uh, well, somebody will say uh, today, um, uh, I believe in one man, one vote. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, well, good. I'm glad you do. You better mm-hmm. you better start learning Mandarin then. <laughs> Yeah, because you can put forty uh, people on your vote. That's going to be the way you're going to be voting. Number three, and this is uh, was from another book that I wrote in 1995 called "Worthiness: The Missing Link to Having It All." And this is, I am worthy beyond my ability to believe. Yeah, I like that. Worthiness is. Um, it, it well let's put it this way we all have goals mm-hmm. we all have things that we want and some of those things we've wanted for quite some time mm-hmm. uh maybe our whole lives we've wanted this particular thing but if we don't have it by now then obviously just by reverse engineering by critical thinking, you would say, well, something is working harder at me not having it, mm-hmm. uh, else me having it, or I'd have it by now. Right. And so what is that something? And we have to find that part of our mind. And you, you, you can't do it without the other two steps. I am aware that I'm aware, mm-hmm. and everything is true. And when you really fully have embodied that, then you're going to find a part of yourself, actually, <laughs> um, you know, uh, this thing on television on Hollywood where they have, like, the multiple personality disorder. Right. Um, it's, that's, it's so funny because all of the research I've read says, you know, by the time we figure it all out, we have about 35 of these going on in our head at any one time. Wow. I call it. I call them members of the board. <laughs> exactly right. So we have to find that part of ourselves that's working harder at us not having what we want in life, and we right. have to understand it. And I do that by way of a the worthiness cycle, where we above the line we are in a place called how good can I stand it, mm-hmm. and below the line we're in a place called how bad will I let it get. Now, we circulate back and forth through that rhythm, up and down. We turn the corner and head back up. We turn the corner and head back down. Why do we do that? We, we cover that in 
in idea three, how to not turn the corner and head back down into the zone called how bad will I let it get, mm-hmm. how to uh, let it be more, how to learn to genuinely receive, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, I, you know, Frankie, you don't have any trouble receiving, do you at all? Or? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was probably the biggest thing I had because I think a lot of people who are givers do have a problem receiving because we're used to giving. It feels good. It's, it's, it's a comfortable place to be. Uh, receiving is not comfortable, and it was a learned behavior, and I just learned it this year, truly. Here's how we know that we've really got this one handled. Um, uh, we, uh, The person of our dreams walks up to our front door and knocks on the door. We don't look out through the peephole and then run to our bedroom and hide underneath the bed. Mm-hmm. We actually let them in, and we let them in metaphorically mm-hmm. into the deepest part of our hearts. Because worthiness is a place where we've uh, learned to really protect our heart. And while we, when when our heart slams shut from that those first early heartbreaks, mm-hmm. you know, then it's really hard to get it to kind of squeak open again now it was great that we um we we slammed shut the door of our heart to protect ourselves and that was probably a smart move at the time mm-hmm. but if you can't even get you know the mailman has to slide all of the letters underneath the door because it's really hard to get in it sounds like there's a lot of concepts going on in this one number three i mean i am worthy um you know, usually has something to do with what do I have to do or who do I have to be in order to be worthy. Um, and that's usually like a parental, I think, move there. Um, the members of the board thing where you have these, in, in coaching terms, underlying automatic commitments, things that you are more committed to than being worthy um, that we need to go and find. Well, there's careful now, there's a distinction between self-esteem, self, self-esteem, careful there's a distinction between self-esteem self-worth and worthiness worthiness is a state within us where our built-up resistance to happiness success and love is no longer in control right but doesn't that just come down to self-love uh you can love yourself but um if you have um and and yes if you have genuinely allowed that to happen then worthiness is not an issue for you mhm right Me- careful i am worthy beyond my ability, ability to, to believe, believe. believe right so uh you can believe that you're a wonderful person but that you're not really dipping your toe in the water of worthiness. I hear that. I mean, I always I tell my clients that I, my belief is stronger than their doubt while we're going through it until they can catch up. Right. That's <laughs> great. Exactly. Yeah. If somebody has to hold that energy for them while right. they while they do that. Well, this is about really uh, as we go through this 
this process of, of what I teach here, um, you get to actually see what worthiness looks like on in a cycle. And it's great that it takes a year because it's going to take that long to to move through that and and have it become internalized and have it uh, become something that you believe. It is one of the core things. When I started to teach this, and it it was interesting. Who started showing up for those seminars and workshops? Mm-hmm. Were all the people that had been everywhere else. They'd yeah. been to the Tony Robbins, they'd been to the Landmark, they'd been to this, they'd been to that, they'd read a hundred books, and they would walk in and say, you know, I've done the full circle and it all comes back to this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they were trying to get all along, yeah. That this is the issue that, that when I've moved away and done some really good healing work and, and improved my inner state in various ways, uh then I found this spot. Right. What's number four? I nurture all relationships today. Okay. Now, what does that mean? Uh, First, I'm writing it down. I nurture all relationships today. I think it says that you're, you're in the now with everybody who comes into your life. So you're focused. You 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 have a a um, is it that you have a you you nurture them by by bringing people up and acknowledging them and you I think but you don't have to nurture well do you have to nurture all your relationships <laughs> or do you get rid of the relationships that you don't want and you just keep the ones that you do and you yeah there you're getting it okay that's exactly right it's a two parter yeah. I nurture all relationships. Uh, and that is um, uh, the first part. And then mm-hmm. secondly, today adds on the part where, well, I'll nurture that one once he starts behaving himself. Or I'll nurture that one when they get to be a nicer person. Mm-hmm. Or I'll nurture that one once I've given, uh, you know, once i got some money, then I can afford to nurture that relationship. Or... Um, so relationship. Um, well, first things. First things first. Well, first things first. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us go out looking for our soulmate, and we we actually go out before we're we're ready. You know, we before we've really we know who we are, and, and some of the other things we've been talking about, and then we get angry because they didn't save us from ourselves Mm -hmm. and we end up with heartbreak Mm -hmm. uh, locked inside as I said before and so the first three ideas prepare us for the fourth which is the ability to really be in relationship and have relationship now it's an interesting thing it's there's more going on here than just than just um, uh, relationships. There's, you know, first of all, in life, we learn to do our our world with one mind, our own. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything we see is from our mind. Even looking into our parents' faces, it's all from us, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so that's the going out and getting stage of life. That's the the the, the uh, independent stage. And then we start to try to learn to do the world with two minds, ours plus somebody else's mind together. Mm-hmm. And most of us bounce off that a few times, and we have some really rough times and some of us never learn how to do that and they were always protecting a part of ourselves but here's the interesting and the most important part of that once you have really learned how to do the world with two minds you can do it with six billion minds because the process is just scalable after that once you've really uh, learned to include all of someone else's mind into your mind, then you can have a third mind, which is the world's mind. And so that's the, and the today part of that is the idea, and it's something that we say and use the word so often, but uh, do we really do it? Not so much, is forgiveness. Right. Not really. You know, no, uh, I agree. We don't we we don't often forgive, um, and lots of people never forget. Uh, but do you need to keep rela- toxic relationships in your life and for maybe forgive them? But maybe do you have to keep them around? Well, I think uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about this, and I think he's got a very healthy way to talk about it. Is you know, is detachment. It's uh, it's not buying into the to that it's you know the very idea that it's toxic um, re, you know continues then to expand the idea of toxicity uh, but there's a place where you can stand in a room that's totally toxic and uh, you don't have you're not toxic and you're not no any, but you're talking about nurturing the relationship so you cannot be well I'm not I'm not saying uh, absent I'm not talking about love relationships I'm talking about relationships with everybody right I'm not saying you chase everybody down the street, right? Needing right. them to be a certain way. I mean, right. That's all part of it, isn't it? Right. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you nurture it. Now, um, sometimes you can nurture it just by being uh, the best you you can be. Mm-hmm. Right? You, can, you nurture it by being uh, a calming presence in the storm. That's nurturing, isn't it? You right. say no, you're saying nothing. Right. Not doing anything either. But but learning how to do that, <laughs> being yeah. a, in the in the the calm in the storm, learning how to truly forgive. You know, we say it takes a year, a, a year of exploration. Right. Um, idea number five. We got a few minutes. Yeah, let's go. I actively lead everywhere with responsiveness. Now, the thing about leadership, and by this time now, idea number five, we are ready to start moving into leadership. Mm -hmm. Each of us has a responsibility to lead Mm -hmm. as well as to follow. But that's where the responsibility ends, in each acknowledgement and acceptance of that responsibility. Nobody is obligated to lead you're only obligated to be willing to lead, to be able to step into that place. Okay, so um, 
we in I say that in the 20th century and all the centuries before that we we understood what we were willing to die for mm-hmm. you know and it's like the the GI the the war movie right you know the GI guy he gets on the hill and there's the machine guy and guys on the top of the hill and they're firing down and this one guy runs up the hill and he yeah. throws the grenade and just as he throws the grenade it, it goes right into the place where they're shooting from and it blows them up but but they cut but they cut him down it with the machine gun and he dies for his country right well we have to learn in the 21st century what we're willing to live for I think 300 was a good example of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to learn, really. They knew what, what they wanted. To live for. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, I mean, it, it brings us back to the original, the chaos at the very beginning. Um, you know, it's great to get rid of it, but what do we want? Where are, where are we going collectively? Do we all know? I mean, what's the mission and the vision of the future for us? Right. Right, exactly. So, number six, I see and live in many worlds with joy. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to get up into some... Esoteric. By the time we get into level six here, idea number six, we are starting to integrate into a place of vision, mm-hmm. a place where... Um, we don't do the vision anymore. The vision does us. Mm-hmm. Where we are able to be in, in to see and hear in 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 many worlds at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's at this place that we experience our you know we begin to experience our divinity and we begin to experience our joy, our deep joy for uh, ourselves and for the world. And for others, it's a place that where where our greatness really, really shines through. So this is where we become a visionary. A visionary is cor- is correct, yeah. uh, and we are heading towards mastery at mm-hmm. that point in time. Mm-hmm. So we're going to spend a whole year on that, mm-hmm. in embodying that. And there are some very pretty interesting realms that we have to traipse through in order to get it to that. Mm-hmm. And number seven, I serve humanity mm-hmm. humbly at the feet of myself. I like that. And that so that on our seven years of of um, from fire to light, um, after all the going out and getting, uh, after all of the learning how to receive, mm-hmm. then we move into a place of of um, service and learning how to really serve the world. I think that service is the natural, um, what's the word I'm looking for, not ingredient, but the the evolution of the awakening. I think that once you become um, a spiritual being, once you start to awaken to this consciousness, you can't help but give of yourself and want to help others. And so I think the to naturally lead, to begin to understand that joy is the highest vibration, to be able to, you know, move back and forth between the seen and the unseen worlds uh, and, and to give is a given <laughs> almost if you reach that mastery. Well you're certainly moving from a place where 
up until now you were doing love. Mm-hmm. And at this part, by you this time, love. you're starting to be love. Right. Being it. And uh, so it's not so. It's not about actually, you know, going out and trying to manifest anything more. It's just really about holding a level of consciousness, mm-hmm. and then to realize. You see, by now, many, many, or all of the real fights that go on inside of ourselves have been resolved, have been reconciled. And at that point in time, we start to appreciate the idea that we are co-creators here on this planet, that, that the only way that love enters the world is through us. Right. That's the only way it can get here, is through conscious awareness. And so uh, we, are the, we are co-creators along with whatever you want to call it, whether it's the universe or God or spirit, great spirit, we're co-creators. And it's not that we, uh, we're given a job, it's that we uh, create along with. Mm-hmm. And to be willing to stand in that and serve humanity from that place uh, in knowing, uh, and it, there's no real ego involved at all. In at that place, uh, you're not doing it uh, to get anybody's a, a, approval or attention, <laughs> or make yourself rich, or and yet probably all of those things happen, right? Like Eckhart has been saying. Well, yeah, absolutely, because you're open and receiving. Right. Absolutely. So this is from Fire to Light. We have seven years. Seventy is it? Seventy cities. Seventy cities for seven years. Seventy cities for seven years. Each year we have a new learning from one to seven. I am aware that I am aware. Everything is true. The idea of inclusionism. Number three, I am worthy beyond my ability to believe. Number four, I nurture all relationships today. Number five, I actively lead everywhere with responsiveness. Number six, I see and live in many worlds with joy. And number seven, I serve humanity humbly. At the feet of myself. That's great. I just love it. <laughs> Gives me shivers. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Now, if we could just put that to music. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Right? That we. And you know, if this was easy, we'd have done it by now because right. there's been books read written about this ad nauseum. You know, this is not about reading a book. This is about. Uh, Experiential training. Attending our event, then joining the website and uh, and um, gathering together with people of like mind to learn all the flavors and nuances of this. And then also, um, uh, we've added something since I talked to you last, which I uh, only because I've you know I, my team has been finally. Um, convinced me of this we're also going to have five regional seminars throughout the year which are going to be two and a half day seminars we weren't i wasn't going to do that but i've decided that i'm going to uh i want to get as many people in a room as possible for two and a half days where we where we go through now it won't be all the flashing lights and the mm-hmm. excitement of the event it's going to be much more of a workshop where we really get down to work and uh, get through and go through these ideas. 
Lydia's in, in the chat room. You don't have your chat room open, Ellen. She said that uh, it's putting spirit into action. I agree. That's a good way to put it. Well, that will be the that is the opportunity of the tw- human being in the 21st century mm-hmm. isn't it? is that we have, you know, we've talked a lot about this, but uh, you know, talk is cheap, and uh, in the 20 in the 20th century, 160 million people lost their life due to war. Mm-hmm. 160 million people. Yeah. And, and I don't even, no one has the numbers on how many people actually starved to death, but it was mm-hmm. at least that many or a lot more. And uh, so uh, we have um, come a long way, but we now need to uh, put a spirit into action. And one other thing that, that happened today um, that I thought was really interesting that came out of the other show was part of this responsibility was to look at the resources, the natural resources that that we're burning through, that we're you know crazy with, and and say, um, do we need our food to travel ten thousand miles to get to us, or could we eat locally? You know, that kind of idea. Can we think about this and that at the same time? Can we help, you know, our planet and help ourselves? All good ideas for sure. All parts of... Now, uh, but first we have to address the part of ourselves, the part of ourselves that lets uh, people starve to death every single second every day. We have to find that part of ourselves that is willing in all our wealth, in all of our power to allow that to continue. And it's not about guilt. I'm not talking about being guilty. I'm talking about finding that part of ourselves, putting light on it, putting understanding on it, putting forgiveness on it, and then letting go of whatever we've been holding on to that has allowed us individually and collectively to let these things happen. And when we do that, then all of the details about how you move the food around and how you how all of that, the rest of that stuff happens, that will just happen naturally. But have you ever asked yourself the question, Alan, and, and I know that I have, and I've asked myself, how did I get so lucky to be born here? I could have been born in Afghanistan or Bangladesh where there's always a world disaster, a physical natural disaster, you know, people are always starving. Things are always happening to them. They they never seem to get ahead in, in, in life. Like, how is it that these people were born in so much devastation or behind the eight ball, for sure, you know? Right. And we got to be so lucky to be here. Well, now, if you're of the mind that you get to choose your life, then there's, then there's a lesson for them and a lesson for us. Well... I don't know, but here's what I do know. Okay. We are on a journey yeah. from fire to light. <laughs> yeah, we are. And each one of us uh, is where we are right now. And each one of us, if we're to be honest with ourselves, we need to uh, integrate and embody these things 
so that we can have an effect on others. Now, why they're having their journey the way they are, I don't know. But I know that I'm on this one right now, and it's my opportunity to to explore the deepest parts of myself. And in doing so, perhaps with every door that I open within myself, I, I also open the door of opportunity for everyone else. Now, the, the seven new cities are probably... I mean, they're North American cities, so we're going through the land of abundance. Right. Yes, they picked North America. You know, for me, I would like to go more to London and Sydney and Singapore mm-hmm. and uh, Paris and Munich, and uh, those are places that I would pick. Mm-hmm. But I actually think that North America is where uh, the most good can be done. Yeah, and uh, we are the richest part of the world here, mm-hmm. and you know Canadians are the richest people on the planet if you measure uh, us in relation to the natural resources on the right. planet. So our opportunity to to be good, to be the change that we are trying to get everybody else to be, uh, our opportunity is the greatest, but also. As I look out on my horizon, I think that uh, North America is also the most lost. Right. And so uh, that we've we've allowed uh, the media mind and the entertainment mind to just absolutely run right over us. We've allowed the political mind to run right over us. They, you know, for now, we've been listening to politics for the last two years now, and we've got another year to go before actually anything is going to happen. So there's certain minds that, that have great powers, great, certain ideas that have great powers in North America to, to fully interrupt our, our natural evolution. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've got to get a handle on those and get uh, those wrestled to the ground and we only do them with awareness we can't Mm -hmm. fight them it is the old adage that the more you resist something the more you persist it persists whatever you turn your your attention on expands and so what i'm going to ask people to do with from far to light is to turn attention on themselves Mm -hmm. on the deeper aspects of themselves and in doing that they will become the change that uh, that uh, we must uh, that we need. We wish to be normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I'd like to say that I'm really proud that it's a Canadian <laughs> that's doing this. <laughs> well, I'm only one of many. There are many people doing wonderful, wonderful things out there. This is just my idea. Well, you know, but I'm, it's still a good idea. Thank you. I'll receive that. I'll receive. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. And, uh, yeah, I I, I do think, I know just intellectually um, that this is the right thing to do, and emotionally it's the right thing to do, and spiritually it's the right thing to do, and it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. So I'd just like to say, everybody, that watch for Alan to start this in September. Watch for it to come to a city near you. We've got 30 seconds left, so bless you, love you, 
uh, Alan, the best of luck to you in from Fire to Light. And in about uh, two minutes from now, you, you promised to put something up on the website. What's the website address that they can go to and hear it? It's uh, from firetolight.com. There's a okay. two-minute trailer there. There is a place for you to just enter your name and email address and your location so that we can, uh, you know, we know where you are and that when we're getting close to you, we will let you know uh, where the event's going to be and how you can get tickets. And uh, then there's going to be the, um, and uh, over the next few weeks, the website will greatly expand. We're now in the mode of, you know, finishing off the business plan and, and doing all of that kind of thing. And um, and I'm busily writing the uh, the, the rest of the uh, of the presentation. Fantastic. The um, we're officially off air, but we are still recording. So and in that, I will say good night to you. Yes. And, and thank, thank you, you so much, so much for coming Picasso. back. Thank you, Frankie Picasso, for for making this possible. You are a leader and a visionary of our time. Oh. And it's well. uh, my honor to have been on your program for sure. Thank you. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Take care, Alan. Good night. Good night. Good night. And good night to you because we love you too. Bye bye. Hey, Houston. For a limited time at VisionWorks, you can get two complete pairs of glasses. Frames, lenses, the works for just $49 on single vision glasses and $89 on progressives. And that's a good deal. But we offer that pricing on over 500 frames, which makes it a great deal. Right now, buy two complete pairs of single vision glasses for just $49 or two pairs of progressives for only $89. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Offer expires November 10th.